Welcome to the Wounds of the Faithful podcast, brought to you by DSW Ministries. Your host is singer, songwriter, speaker, and domestic violence advocate, Diana Winkler. She is passionate about helping survivors in the church heal from domestic violence and abuse and trauma. This podcast is not a substitute for professional counseling or qualified medical help. Now, here is Diana. Welcome back. We have a great show for you today. And I was very excited to see four new subscribers to my email list this week. So thank you very much. Um, I am putting together something to send out shortly about my recent news that you may have heard on the other podcast. But, um, yeah, appreciate that. There were some new reviews or star ratings on, I keep wanting to call it iTunes. It's not iTunes, it's Apple Podcast. I got a five-star rating, but the person did not leave their name. So I don't know who it was, but thank you for the five-star rating. It would be really nice to know who people are, so... If you don't mind, just put a little note. It doesn't have to be very long. It, it just helps me to keep my focus on what you guys want on the podcast. So I am going to talk about our guest today. She's going to talk about her new book, her last 20. And so we're going to talk a little bit about her bio here. Latre Wilson is a native of Oakland, California. She's a mother of one son who is the love of her life and has three doting goddaughters. She holds an associate degree in liberal arts and sociology. She also earned a bachelor's degree in criminal justice and master of art in teaching. In her spare time, Latre enjoys spending hours in the kitchen cooking meals she's seen on social media. Her favorite pastimes are watching movies, listening to music, and quiet moments to relax her mind. Her divine purpose is to serve God and to help others succeed by sharing applied principles that are proven strategies in her personal life. So this is my interview with Latre. I hope that you will enjoy it. We sure had a good time. All right, please welcome Latre Wilson to the podcast today. Thanks so much for taking the time out to come on. You are so welcome. I appreciate you allowing me to come on to your podcast. So thank you. I, I appreciated um, you sending me a, a copy of the book that you wrote. And so we're going to be um, discussing that a bit. And okay. I read, I read through it in one sitting, I have to say. Really? Um, yeah. Oh, I'm a, I'm a prolific reader. I love, I love to read. Okay. And, <laughs> and your book was really easy to read. Thank you. And so 
even if you're not a big reader, I think you'd probably get through the book and, you know, a few sessions. It's very digestible. So, so tell, uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourself and where you're from and what you do. And I am a native of Oakland, California, the Bay Area, home of the Golden State Warriors and the Oakland Raiders. So, yeah. That's yeah. where I'm born, born and raised. Now, I just recently re relocated two years ago to Houston now. And so, um, totally not my, my doing. And um, I have been in the education field for like 20 years. This is my last, probably last year, really, really being in the education field. Um, I have a master's in teaching, bachelor's degree <laughs> in uh, <laughs> criminal justice. I have a couple of them. So um, I was I was this close to going back for my doctorate, like this close. Um, but uh, I said no. And um, what else do I want to know? Um, I have a son. His name is Jalen. He's my world. And uh, yeah, you, you, you have to talk to me to find out more. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 yeah, we haven't talked previously, but but that's we okay. We're gonna have no, a good we, time today. <laughs> we've just been chatting through email, so um, right. I'm, I'm I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. So, well, let's let's talk about your your childhood. Um, you you do talk a bit about that in your book, as you know what your uh, what your environment was growing up. Yes. So I grew up two parent homes, mother and father, um, slightly middle class. Uh, both of my parents worked, and um, the area that I live, I lived in two different neighborhoods. Um, one neighborhood not so safe, another neighborhood where I can just play outside freely and not worry. And so um, it, I, I got to see two two lifestyles. And um, I didn't realize that until I started writing. I was like, wow, I actually had two different worlds. I had uh, one side where I, I saw the street and it was just one side where, oh, we're fine, neighbors, everything. Um, <laughs> childhood, you know, I had a normal childhood. I had a normal childhood. My mom, dad, born and raised in the church. And so... That's all I knew was church, is church. And so um, it, was, it was typical. I had three, three siblings at the house, well, two siblings at the house, but I actually have five. I'm the youngest of, of, of five. I'm the youngest, yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely the youngest. And um, I had to, because I was the youngest, I had to fend fend for myself because the older two, they were close in age. And so I had to fend for myself. I grew up with cousins. I didn't have a lot of friends. I had cousins. Mm -hmm. And so it's a different thing. I, I didn't have a party with, you know, how you invite friends to your birthday party. No, it was a party of cousins. It was a family. It was very uh, family oriented. So um, I did not have a lot of friends. I just had cousins. And so um, 
We got along very well. Nothing changed. My childhood didn't change until maybe, maybe second or third grade. I saw, uh, I started to see the street. I had to go from one neighborhood to another neighborhood. And so um, I, that's when I started seeing the street life. I was introduced at a very young age, not because um, it was, uh, not because it was, my parents were involved. It, it was because I had to walk into it. I had to go into it every single day. And so um, walking to school, catching the bus, at like probably eight or nine years old, you see a lot. And you, nowadays, I wouldn't even allow my son to catch the bus at nine years old, eight years old, nine years old. So I was seeing a whole bunch of things that I should not have seen um, mm. just on my way to school. And um, and so seeing that and growing up and being around different people, you get curious of, of what, the what's it all about like and no one really talking to you you know they'll just say oh leave it alone you know it doesn't concern you well I'm kind of concerned I'm kind of curious now because of you know you're not actually telling me not to do it you're just saying leave it alone so, so what kind of things were you seeing um the things that I was seeing oh I was seeing seeing drugs. I was seeing uh, sexual acts being performed like mm -hmm. in the in the street, you know, prostitution. Wow. I, would, I, I would see, you, you would see that. Um, drug transactions. I saw that. I saw robberies. I saw killings. I seen all of this either on the way to school, you know, coming back from school. You know, I seen this at a young age. How do I process this at eight, nine, 10, 11 years old? You don't. You can't. Back then, you didn't go to a counselor like it, it, it is now. You know, you didn't, you, you, didn't, you didn't go. It wasn't available. I will say that. It wasn't available. And so because it wasn't available, I wasn't able to process it the way that I would be able to process it now you know, through counseling and, and finding out what's the trigger. No, I had to suppress it because I couldn't talk about it. There was no one to talk to about it. So your and cousins and your older siblings we wouldn't... Um... We all saw it. it we, we talked to each other about it, you oh. know, because we, we all saw it. And so that's who we talked to about it. We, we, we saw it. It, it was that it was it was a it wasn't a rough childhood but it was a rough childhood if you understand what I'm saying you weren't sheltered no definitely at, at all and you know what I appreciate my parents for not sheltering yeah because um I think had they had they did shelter me I probably wouldn't be where I am today because I I, I would wanted to have experienced whatever it is they were sheltering me from. And so um, my parent, I thank God that my parents allowed me to 
experience the things that I did experience and allowed me to, you know, it wasn't, oh, oh yeah, go ahead, do it. But they didn't cover me. They didn't cover me so much where I, I, it, I didn't know anything about it. And so, mm-hmm. so when I was exposed to it, I, I can say yay or nay. No, I don't want to do that. I'm fine. I'm, I'm okay. I'm good. And so, because I saw what it did, or I saw how it looked. And so, doing drugs, now that, now that right there, that was one thing that you could not do. No drugs. You know, because it was, back in the 80s, that was uh, Reagan and uh, right. that right. was the era. Just no say drugs. no. Just say no Just to drugs. No. Yeah, We're, Just say I no think- to drugs. I think you we're know, so, about the same age, around the same age, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so just say to, just say no to drugs. Okay, well, all right, you showing me what drugs will do to you. You showing me um, how, how how it came about and all that. You seeing all that, but they're not telling you about the things that come along that leads up to drugs. You just mm-hmm. don't one day and say, oh, I'm just going to get on drugs. Something happened for you to to try it. You know, you were pre-exposed in some way, shape, or form. A cigarette. Oh, well, a cigarette doesn't doesn't get me where I need to be. Well, let's try marijuana. Oh, well, marijuana will only take you so far. Mm -hmm. After marijuana, hey, you know what? I tried something the other day. It, it took me higher than the marijuana. Let's try that. You know, luckily, marijuana was probably the only thing I I, I I ventured off into, but it was exposed to me at an early age. It was okay. You know, it wasn't, oh, you don't do that. It was okay. So... Definitely exposed to things that I should not have been exposed to at a very young age. Definitely hindered my growth and and it it affected me. It still affects me now because it's like if I if I wasn't exposed at an early age, you know, would I would I still be doing it or would I not have tried it or had had I had a talk about the exposure? Will I you know? not being curious to not try it, you know, Mm -hmm. but, um, I, I, I I go back to what you say. I appreciate my parents, uh, allowing me to, to see the things that they, um, they didn't shelter me from. And so, um, that saved, that saved my life, not being sheltered, not, not being sheltered probably, probably saved my life. Wow. I, I think it's good if parents allow them to see certain things, like yeah. even on, now we see everything on the television yeah. and on the internet, whereas when we were growing up, there was no, you know, there were 10 channels, <laughs> you know, and um, the dirty, the dirty movies, you know, were scrambled at two in the morning. Um, but right. I think that parents should have conversations with them. Yes. What do you think about this? What do you think 
about what's going on here in this scene or do you think that's a good choice not well just don't do drugs or don't have sex or don't yeah but you gotta have a conversation with your kids right (laughs) yes that's what i talk about in my book and you cannot just show your your child or your child see something and you not say anything about it because they're going to be curious so you as the parent have the responsibility to sit your child aside and say hey You've just been pre-exposed to something that you should not have been exposed to. So because you've been exposed to something that, you know, you should not have been exposed to at an early age, what I'm going to do is I'm going to explain what you have been exposed to. And so you want to explain the pros and the cons. You want to explain, you want to explain um, the ins and the outs. You want to explain as much as you possibly can, because without that explanation, they're going to, they're going to look into it. That's when the inquiry, oh wait, she didn't say I couldn't look into it. Okay, and that's when you're gonna get the kid going behind your back, looking at porn. That's when you get the kid going behind your back, uh, buying cigarettes, that's when you find the kid, you know, mm-hmm. you find things. That's when you start finding things around your home. And so you have to be, as a parent, you have to, if, if they've been exposed, you have to be that person that explains it to them, regardless of what it is. Exactly. I'm the, uh, I am the oldest of four children, and then I have two step-siblings. Uh-huh. But me and me and my sister were straight laced. We didn't get into any trouble. Uh-huh. And I mean, we had the same parents. And then my, my two younger <laughs> brothers. Um, they my my youngest brother got into crystal meth, and then he oh. went went to Juvie Hall when he uh-huh. was young. And then my middle brother was into gangs, and I just you know where did they come from, huh? We are. We were so different. We each had to make our decisions. We had the same parents and the same upbringing, but um, you know, my sister and I, we w- both went to college, but my two brothers didn't even graduate high school. They got GEDs later, but um, yeah, it's all about our personal choices. And oh, definitely, yes, you have a choice in everything you do. Everything is a choice. Everything is a choice. You can either choose the negative or you can choose the positive. You can choose to be nice. You can choose to be mean. There's a choice. And if you decide to, you know, not do something correctly, you have, you you got to realize that there are going to be consequences for every action that you, everything is going to be consequences. I'm sorry. Good or bad. Now that's what we have to remember um, who our father is. (laughs) You you make the choice. Uh, Okay. Well, you made the choice. Now I have to pick the consequence. I'm sorry. (laughs) He picks the consequence. (laughs) And it can, 
good or bad. It's up to you. So yeah, definitely understand that. Yes. Now you had a faith in God. You were raised in the church. So yes. I mean, what was your relationship with God, you know, when oh, we were younger? All I knew was church. My father is a, is a minister. So um, I'm, a pre- I'm a preacher's kid. My godparents, my god, my godfather was the pastor of the church that I went to for 18 years. And so I went to church Monday through Sunday. <laughs> I went, I, I, if I did not, if I was not at church, we had church at home. Mm-hmm. And so I know on Tuesday nights, um, if we wanted to go outside or if the friends wanted to come over and hang out, they have to come to Bible class before we can go outside and play. And so <laughs> we'll have a, a table full of kids at our house. Willingly now, willingly now, they, they want to come. And I'm like, y'all don't want to go outside and play like after after Bible class, you know? <laughs> so right. we, were the, we were the kids that had Bible class, but um, it was my foundation. That's all I knew. I, I, all I knew was church. If I if I seen something different, it was because I was at school, but I was I was at church all the time. So and I, like, I love church. So, I accepted I accepted Christ at a very at at an early age, like uh, probably maybe ten years old. Like that's when I made the conscious decision. Mm-hmm. I told my dad what I wanted to do, and I did not back then. You you do it in front of the congregation. Well, I wasn't that kid that would just go up. I just talked, told my dad. My dad told my godfather. <laughs> and we went from there. And I went through the um, the the class for uh, to be a candidate for baptism and mm-hmm. all of that. I knew exactly what I was doing, but I did not know exactly what I was doing. You know right, I mean? right. We're, you know, we only understand as much as our brains can handle it at exactly. 10 years old. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, um, that right there, my relationship with Christ didn't change until I, until I changed, and which was 18. So pretty much at that point, you believed that God was loving and benevolent. Oh my God, yeah, like holy. I do. And I, he's, you know, gives you good things and yes, takes care yes. of you. And I knew who God was. Like mm-hmm. I knew who God was. But you, you, I'm be honest with you. You get to a point where you're 18. You've been going to church for 18 years. <laughs> <laughs> I can count how many times I miss church. You know, I can count. I'm a little tired of church. Like, I'm I'm a little tired of church. I I get that. Now was a now it was a choice. I still I still had to go to church because I was still staying with my parents, and so I made it a point to come and go to church on Sunday. Oh yeah, I went to church on Sunday, but what I did before Sunday that's that's where you question me. Yeah, that's that's where you went. You went through several abusive relationships. We, you know, we're going to read that in the book. Um, Can you tell us how you got into those abusive relationships and even one that you sabotaged? It sounds like. 
Oh yeah, I, the relationships that I got into, it wasn't it wasn't physical abuse. I didn't have the physical abuse. It was the emotional and um, the mental mm-hmm. abuse that I received. Um, and no, none of them are good. None of them are good at all. And mm-hmm. so um, you, I had to. <sighs> it's not hard to explain. I got in this. I got in them because I was young. I got it. I got in them, and I did not know that it was abuse. Right. Because I've seen it. That's very common. Yeah, I I seen it. it. I didn't know it was abuse. You know, and so because I've seen I seen it at home. You know, with my parents, I thought it was normal to be hollered at. I thought it was normal to be talked down to because mm-hmm. I've seen it, you know, and what's your norm may not be my norm. Exactly. And so if I didn't know, I thought abuse was physical. I thought abuse was physical. Yeah, that's what I think. and punching yeah, and bruises yeah. and bunk, broken bones and yes, yes, anything that had to do with someone being injured, I thought was was abuse. I, the the verbal no, the that was his words, you know that that was his, and so because I didn't recognize it. And I didn't, I, I didn't identify it as abuse. I end up getting into another relationship just the same because I didn't identify it as abuse. Right. I thought they loved me in some way, but it wasn't. Now that I'm older, now that I'm able to process it and able to see that it definitely wasn't, um, it, de- it definitely wasn't love definitely was abuse, you know, and so I, um, I I did that. (laughs) The self, the sabotaging one, um, was because I I was hurt. I I was definitely hurt. I, I didn't know the first, the first guy that I like really, really dated. Um, I don't want to mention one of the characters in the book. You have to read his name. (laughs) You have to read the book. I think his name is Devin. Devin, Devin. Devin was like my real, like my, one of my first real boyfriends. Devin was the one that, um, like took me away from all my problems that, that was happening at home at the time. You know, my mom, my dad going through a divorce um, so the, he was my escape, but his behavior towards me, it, it was abusive because he would, I don't want to say, I don't think he knew that he was, he was talking to me in a way that it was abusive. I don't think he knew, but how I identify it now, definitely. I consider, I, I consider some type of, uh, like mental abuse. It's probably so, what he's seen and he 
was raised yep. that way and that's how you talk to a woman and you know exactly that's okay. I will I will say Devin was he was a very sweet guy like he was a very sweet guy he had three sisters and so he knew how to you know protect and be the girl you know cover a girl or cover a woman because that's all he's surrounded by and so my being around him secure wise he was he secured me I knew nothing would happen if I was with him you know and so um but that wasn't the what his relationship wasn't the one that I sabotaged the one that I sabotaged was Eric <laughs> I sabotaged Eric's relationship it was because I had been hurt before um he was a very sweet guy he, he did was, he sounded really nice <laughs> yeah he was the ideal guy that you 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 would want to fight for like right now and so um I didn't know what what that was and so because I didn't know what it was I pushed it away like I pushed it away I pushed the good things away because I all I had seen was bad things in a relationship and so he he showed me the good he showed me what a a, a true man could actually be and what he could actually he was a true man and so because I was so broken from past relationships, I could not handle the, the love in, that he was trying to get. So I, I, I came up with excuses not to, you know, work it out or I ran to what was comfortable and what what was comfortable was um what's his name? Eric. It was Eric Devin. I, I think it's Devin. No, not Devin. The first guy. Okay. <laughs> In the book. I can't think of <laughs> But yeah. So yeah, it 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 was it was crazy. I, I did did I did sabotage the relationship. because I, I was afraid. That's it. Did you think that afraid. you weren't worthy of a good man? Because that's a lot of survivors. Definitely, yes. Oh my goodness, yes, yes, yes. I because because I had hurt uh, because I had hurt previous guy previous men or previous guys. I didn't think that I was deserving of this type of guy. Mm. Yeah, go figure. Go, go figure. I, I didn't think I was worthy of that type of guy. Um, what 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 did he see in me to make him want to treat me like that? I didn't see myself as worth as I was worthless. I was I didn't love myself. So how can I love myself? <laughs> well, not I don't love myself. So why would I want something good for myself? I'll, I'll say that. And so, because mm -hmm. I didn't know, I, I pushed it away. I pushed it away. And he was a real good guy. He was a really good guy. <laughs> I, like, I see him. We're, we're actually friends on, on social media. And um, and he has a family now. He, oh, that's uh, good. I, I want to say, 
he just had, I want to say he just had a, a, a kid and they're doing all the things that I, I, I would want to do. Like the, the things that he wanted to do, he's actually doing it. He's living his life. And I'm so happy for him. Like I'm, I'm extremely happy for him yeah. because I, I, I was hurt and I did him so wrong. <laughs> I did him so wrong. So I'm, I apologize to him and he oh. told me I didn't have to apologize. That's great. Like I really apologize to him. Uh, even years later, I think I say maybe probably five or six years ago, like seven, eight, yeah, about six, seven, eight years ago. I, we reached, I reached out to him and I really, really apologized. And he was like, I've forgiven you a long time ago. And I was like, wow. So I probably understood what was going on. So, you know what? I don't think he, I don't think he understood. I don't think he knew, but Mm -hmm. now I'm pretty sure he, he does now. I'm, I'm hoping that he is. And, and I, I, I'm, I'm grateful that he actually gave me, um, like he forgave me. Like I'm, I genuinely feel his forgiveness, and I like I'm, I'm thankful that he was able to forgive because yeah, what that I means did, so much, you know, right here. It, 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 I am so grateful that he did forgive me because that was I was hard. That wasn't that one thing that I probably had a hard time forgiving myself for was for hurting him. If I hurt anybody, I I hurt him, and I like I genuinely felt bad because I had never ever done anybody like that, like ever ever, and I I, I yeah it was wrong. <laughs> if I can go back and change it, it probably wouldn't happen. Yeah, there's a whole lot of stuff. If we all had a time machine, <laughs> there were so many things that we would change exactly. about our ourselves. But we uh, we learn from those things, and that makes us who we are. And yeah, so you would be a different person if you hadn't gone through those trials. And as terrible as some of them were, exactly, exactly. Um, now. I forget in the book which which one was the father of your son. Um, tell us about your your son and how how he came into your life. I met I met his name is I think his name is Drew in the in, in the in the book. I met him in uh, I guess it was like probably ninety nine at a community college. I had just transferred over there. And I really, really wasn't into dating. I really had didn't want to date. And um, uh, my best friend, I tell this story all the time. It's her fault. It is my best friend's fault that I dated him. I wasn't going to give him a chance because he wasn't my type. He really, really wasn't my type. And she was like, you always go out for this type of guy and blah, blah, blah. You need to give him a chance. And this one time I listened to my friend. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we started dating or whatever. I, I finally gave my number and we talked or whatever. Different type of guy than I would normally date. And um, we, 
we clicked very well. Like we we really hit it off very very well. And um, I think he's very educated, very educated um, intellect. He can speak on different levels. You know, transition from you know different topics. Very 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 together academically. Um, <laughs> academically. And so um, after dating for a little while, it started to get serious. Um, we had a little breakup in one point of our relationship, or not a breakup. Our, we had time away from each other, I should say, mm-hmm. before, before I had my, before I gotten pregnant with my son. We had some time away from each other, and um, I was I was really hurt by this. He had told me that uh, he she had had a son and we had been dating for like probably four months, four or five months. And this comes up. I'm like, wait a minute. That's, this is like a red, this is a red flag. I bypassed the red flag and continue to talk to him. Like that was the red flag right there. I should have left it alone. Right. I just went right past it. I went right past it. Like that. I just went right past the red flag. And so. <laughs> you and me both sister. <laughs> Yeah. After passing the red flag, <laughs> I continued to, you know, continue talking to him. It was more red flags, more red flags. Um, we finally uh, we broke up for a, a few minutes, like a real quick minute, and that's when the Eric and Drew kind of came together. So you will see that, like in the first or second, maybe third, third or fourth chapter of the book you see those two names together so mm-hmm. it was i had broke I, we had broken up for a minute and then once me and uh eric had uh caught off the engagement i started talking back to to drew and so after that after that i got pregnant with my son and my son's father did not want me to have him at all he did, not, he did not want me to have him at all. And so um, I was determined to have my son. I remember telling my dad. I remember telling my mom. I remember what my dad said. My dad said, um, he said, remember, this is your responsibility. You're going to always have to take care of this, this baby. Um, the father's not going to be there. So... I'm just going to let you know it's your responsibility. And he wasn't saying or, or cursing the relationship or making it say, oh, he ain't going to never be around. He was just preparing me that a guy may not be there. Right. This is reality. This is, yeah. It was and it's time so, to grow up now. <laughs> exactly. And so if he's not there... You need to make sure you take care of your responsibility at all times. Right. And so I remember when my daddy said it. I remember how he said it. And what, when he said that, it just clicked. I'm going to have to take care of this baby for the rest of my life with or without him. And so my mind... My mindset changed after that conversation. And he, my son's father had 
basically ghost went away went on about his business for like three months now I'm about three months pregnant almost four he calls I know exactly when he called he called the weekend of uh, the weekend of Labor Day wishing me a happy Labor Day who what? in the world wishes people a happy Labor Day nobody yeah red flag another red flag nobody wishes anybody a happy Labor Day <laughs> yeah, maybe the commercials on TV. Exactly. Happy Labor Day. Labor so, Day no. sale. <laughs> Never red flag. And so, <laughs> and so um, he, he reached out, and by then I'm like probably four or five, like four months. I'm like four months. I'm really showing. And he basically was like, So you really keep me? Yeah, yeah duh. duh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, baby's not coming out <laughs> no time soon, and so I thought, and so, <laughs> um, we, we still continued the relationship, but I don't, we, it was a situation, I'm just gonna say that, it was a situation, and so from there, I, I had my son early, <laughs> it was a lot of stress, I worked, I worked two jobs, I was still work. I was working two jobs. I was working at UPS at night and early morning. I was doing after school program, and in the afternoon, I'll in the afternoon I'll go back. So let me tell you my schedule. Wow. I would wake up at probably the maybe four o'clock in the morning because I had to be to work at six o'clock in the morning. So uh, first thing, get up, get to work. I'll leave work probably at nine o'clock. After nine o'clock, I'll probably go home and take a nap. And then I'll come back in the afternoon from like one to four. From four, after, once I get off at four, I'll go to UPS. So from five to 10. So I was working two jobs, two different shifts. And that so, is rough. Uh, yeah, That's and I was rough pregnant. for anybody. Yeah, and you're pregnant. pregnant. And I worked for FedEx back in the 90s. And that is no joke. That job. <laughs> And so I was, I knew what I had to do. I had to take care of my responsibility. So I'm going to do what I need to do regardless. And so I was working. And uh, it was just one day I, um, I went to the restroom and um, I, I called my doctor. I said, hey, I'm, I, I'm leaking. Can, you know, can I come in? I'm coming in anyway. And they were like, well, we'll see you later on. And they, and I was on my way. I went to go get me a donut. That was a good donut too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I went to get me a donut. <laughs> went to go get me a donut, and um, I go get out the car and I go to the door to open the uh, my job door, and my water bag just breaks, and I'm like, oh my goodness, <laughs> did I just feel myself? That's the, that's the thing. Uh -huh. But I said, like. Did I just kill myself? I was like, I can't just use the bathroom. I was like, no, but I don't have to use the bathroom. My water bag broke and very early at uh, 24 weeks, mind you. And so um, the doctor was like, hey, you need to stay. Uh, your baby has to stay in. Um, I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Push it back I, in. Push it back in, right. And so um, I... I said, okay, well, 
how long does he have to, you know, how long can we keep him in? And like, we're going to try to keep him in as long as possible. And so um, well, I'm thinking I'm going to be in there for like probably six weeks because my sister had had hers, her water bag had broke. And so she was able to keep my nephew in an extra six weeks. It's <laughs> a long time. Yeah, extra six weeks. So she was on bed rest. She was in the hospital. And so um, my water bag broke. I called my grandmother and um, let my grandmother know. She's thinking I'm playing a joke on her. I'm like, Granny, no, I'm not, I'm not playing on I'm not, no jokes. And so I drive, I drive myself to her house because my mom is there and my mom is going to take me to the hospital. She takes forever, get there. And they're like, Hey, yeah, you have an infection. And so my back had been leaking for a, a while and I did not know. I did not know that it was leaking and it had said infection. And so they said, okay, we're going to do our best to keep him in there. Um, and it didn't happen at all. <laughs> I literally had my son at 25 weeks. My, my, the day I had turned 25 weeks was at 12 o'clock uh, on, the, on the 16th. That's the day I had him. And so um, they, they said had he had been like born like a day before, he wouldn't have made it. Wow. So that day, that extra day in saved his life, basically. And so um, he was born one pound, 11 ounces. Uh, wow. he, he had so many, um, he died like four times. Uh, what? Yeah, I got a miracle baby. Yeah, I have a miracle baby. Amen. <laughs> he 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 went blue on me. Um, <laughs> he went blue. Uh, mm -hmm. My mom saved his life one time. Um, one one time, so she saved his life. Like uh, I had went with his grandma to go pick up a, a stroller, and um, I come back home. And uh, the ambulance is at my house. I'm like, wow, mm -hmm. the ambulance is at, you know, my apartment complex. I wonder who they're here for. <laughs> my son. <laughs> here for my son. He had wow. turned blue. He had stopped breathing. And he had actually came home early. And so from the hospital, because he was in the hospital for uh, three months. And uh, he was... They let him come home like probably two weeks before I was actually due, my actual due date. And so my actual due date was May, it was March 1st. My actual due date was March 1st. So he came home from the hospital like the end of February. And well, he technically, he's not born. And so he forgot to breathe and he would do this little thing where he just, He'll just stop breathing and, oh. and he just would forget to breathe and um, they had to revive him again and he went back to the hospital You know, after being in the hospital for three months. He went right back for another week and a half, almost two weeks, but this time he came home with the monitor. He had a, hot, a heart monitor on, oxygen and all that extra stuff and so my son, when I say he is a miracle on paper, he's a miracle on paper. Um, doctors would come in just to see, uh, just to see him. Um, 
it would be a team of doctors. I'm thinking something's wrong with my son. And they're like, no, it's a team that wants to look at, at your son. <laughs> they can't believe that, you know, he survived. Because he wasn't, he was on a high five ventilator for 14 days. The, four, the first 14 days of his life, he was on a high five vent. Wow. And this high five vent basically is a, shakes, shakes his body. It, 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 ran, it runs 24-7 for him. It helps him to breathe. And it shook his body for like uh, 14 days. And they, they, they said that that right there could have killed him because how... It was a high five then. It was basically breathing for him. And so um, he went from a high five, uh, uh, the high five vent to another one, to a smaller one, to finally nothing, you know, but it took steps. And so he, he was diagnosed with autism. Uh, he has uh, ADHD. <laughs> now, is that from the birthing experience because he yeah. was a preemie? Yeah. So because he was a preemie, they did not know exactly what he was going to, what was going to happen to him because he lost, he lost oxygen on so many levels. I mean, oh. so many times. And um, they had to revive him so many times. Because of those actions, he, you know, he lost oxygen. And so they, they... They, they basically told me, I ha he had real good doctors. Like, I thank God for his doctors. Mm -hmm. And they basically, they basically said that um, we don't know. And they were going to, they were honest with me. They were like, we don't know what's going to be his development. Well, we're definitely going to have to have a, a part two with uh with her interview she's got a lot of other stories with wonderful wisdom and tidbits to to savor and so don't miss part two of um Latre's story and so we will see you next week god bless thank you for listening to the wounds of the faithful podcast if this episode has been helpful to you please hit the subscribe button and tell a friend you can connect with us at dswministries.org where you'll find our blog along with our facebook twitter and our youtube channel links hope to see you next week